that's good. I feel like our brains are on the same path right now, Nick. That's good. And you and see why you're shaking your head. You're there too. I know you're there. <laughs> you know, you know where I am, Mike. I'm on the Songtopsy Report, where we dissect bad, bizarre, <laughs> or what, Mike? Did you or did you not record? What is it? No, that's great. I just say uh, you. Mike Ooh, was yeah. just so happy. <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, we're doing the show. <laughs> yeah, and I, I had a perfect segue that you then freaked out like you weren't no, recording. Steve, and keep pushing. Keep pushing. You got this. The Song Topsy Report. Where, Bring it to life, Steve. Song Topsy Report, where good intros go to die, <laughs> and where we dissect bad, bizarre, otherwise noteworthy music to figure out how it died, or maybe this time to figure out how to bring it back to life. Oh, my God, Steve, you are on fire. Yes. Oh, by the way, that is... Steve. Steve. That's I Steve. Am That's Steve. I'm Nick, and the other guy's Mike. <laughs> Thank you, Nick. I forgot who I was for a second. Uh, yes, if it is your first time joining us, you, what a wonderful episode to uh, jump in on, because we are constantly looking into the most bad, bizarre, noteworthy music to discuss. Uh, and I gotta say, Steve brought this week's episode and was the primary researcher. And Steve, you gotta tread lightly, because this song occupies a very near and dear place to my heart that I will be going into, I'm sure, in depth throughout the course of this episode. Nick, Nick, I see your Romanian identical twins butt song and raise you an emo anthem about having feelings shoved into your body. <laughs> wow. Because, gentlemen, I don't know how uh, plugged into Christian culture you are, but as you may or may not know, tis the season of Lent. And at the end of Lent, we have Easter. And what is the theme of Easter? Resurrection. Yes! Oh Woo. God, this song is good. Oh, that I wanted this song, back, baby. I wanted that song intro to stop like twenty <laughs> seconds ago, and Nick refused to stop playing it. Steve, this song is from uh, Evanescence, the band we're discussing today. is from their debut album, yes. Fallen, which was the fourth ever CD I bought for myself. First, fourth CD I ever owned. The first three were all Linkin Park because I thought that there was, once I heard Linkin Park, I'm like, music doesn't get better than Linkin Park, so why would I buy anything else? Yes, we've already, uh, outside of the episode, talked about uh, how when you heard this song determines how old you feel. So I, this song brings me back to high school. Apparently, it brings Nick back to middle school. So I feel damn right it does. Old. Um, uh, yeah, Mike, when me, does this song bring you back to? It brings me back right, right in the middle there. I'd say like where I was probably like uh, not quite sixteen. You know, because I'm I was probably roller skating. Although I roller skated, I still roller skate. <laughs> yeah, when you <laughs> roller skated is not a good indicator of where you were in your <laughs> life, Mike. Not, roller skate. You were roller skating through just like a decade or two. Like that could have been any time. You live in you live in fucking Xanadu. All right. I love that musical, Steve. That was oh, I once saw an off an off 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 so far off Broadway. I was in Massachusetts and Cape Cod watching Xanadu, and boy, was that a fun show. You are you are one Starlight Express episode away from. I think I'm gonna pick that. That's when we start when we do our musical theater song topsies. I'm picking Xanadu. I'm doing it. All right, Steve. I gotta say because I this will determine how much I need to fight you over this episode. Why did you feel like Bring Me to Life by Evanescence was the song to discuss today? Um, the uh, I I was not only partially joking at the top that when the part of it was the fact that it is Lent. And this song has a lot of forced re religious connotations uh, that aren't inherent to the song, but I'll get into that a little bit later. Um, and as a song essentially about resurrection, it sort of put me in the mind of the, uh, the Lenten and Easter season. Uh, and also because I had originally planned to do that tattoo song, but I didn't want to anymore because I didn't want to talk about weird oogie underage stuff so i instead chose this song so that's usually your bread and butter steve but i understand if you want to take a break see steve here i was thinking for a moment that this song was all woke propaganda about trying to get everyone in this country to wake up inside 
No, I wasn't <laughs> trying to uncancel America, Mike. <laughs> yeah. The song has a place, I think, in a lot of people my age, around my age, our particular generation, and it was like part of their rotation for a significant period of time. And I felt like that made it, that that along with the other parts of it, made it noteworthy. And then once I actually started to research it, I found several interesting, found out several interesting things about it that just begged me to talk about them today. So talk Ooh. about them. We shall. <laughs> Let's hear this. First, a little uh, little evanescence info. Do you guys know what evanescence means? It's a real word. Do you know what the definition of evanescence is? It's uh, Isn't it a potpourri type of incense used uh, when trying to find your chi? Specifically by a guy named Evan. That is almost completely wrong. <laughs> no, it is... <laughs> The quality of being fleeting or vanishing quickly, impermanence. So dreams, uh, evanescence descri- could describe the state of a dream. So, so wait, so it's fleeting. It dis- it's disappearing. It's, uh, it's like um, like when you have a dream and you wake up and you can remember parts of the dream and then it slowly begins to like disappear into the mist. Oh, like, your like when you think, oh, I'm going to move to the city and become a big comedian one day. And then you, you start waking sure. up every day realizing, sure. oh, no. <laughs> I meant literal dreams, not necessarily those types of dreams. But, yeah, that works, too, actually. Um, I got to go back to so sleep. The, uh, Put me back to sleep inside. <laughs> Mike, that was why we were so late recording in the first place. <laughs> Nick, I had... You're too busy destroying your apartment. I had a construction accident. I had a construction accident. I got overwhelmed, and I needed a nap. Okay. <laughs> I'll post the pictures on social media. I was going to say, follow us on social media to see the Mike's construction accident. For the listeners who don't know what we're talking about, uh, we were we were we were super late recording today because uh, Mike felt like he was sleeping for a thousand years. It seemed. <laughs> Uh, and then he had to open his eyes to everything. And then I bid, I asked Nick if he could kindly bid my blood to run before I came undone. And uh, that's how we got to here. This is what brought us here. So, <laughs> Evanescence, uh, an American rock band from Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, formed in 1995. The founding members, lead singer and pianist Amy Lee and guitarist Ben Moody. So, uh, Moody and Amy Lee met in 1994 at a Christian youth camp. They were both about 13. <laughs> oh, I know where this That's, one goes. <laughs> yeah, uh, they were both at 13, met at a Christian youth camp where Moody watched Lee play Meatloaf's I Would Do Anything for Love on the piano during, like, the camp talent show. Ooh. They became popular locally, performing in coffee shops in and around Little Rock because, of course, coffee shops is where they is where they performed. Who else would have them? Um <laughs> Hey now. Uh, also, uh, we want to get. We'll get into this a little bit later. The notion that the this band who we're talking about today, this band who they're ta- who we're talking about today, comes from Little Rock, Arkansas. Like the just the aste- pure aesthetic differences alone between what the band becomes and where they're from originally is startling to me. But that I am a coastal elite, so ah <laughs> uh, yes, it took many episodes, but we're finally coming to terms with it. Uh, in from 1995 to 2001, they recorded three EPs and a demo album. And in 2002, they were signed by Wind Up Records after executive Diana Meltzer heard their demo for the song "My Immortal," which is another big hit of theirs. They were then relocated to Los Angeles, given an apartment, a rehearsal space, and enrolled in a gym for some reason. And you gotta Lee stay and- fit, Steve. You're gonna, I guess. When, you, when you're attracting millions of listeners or, or people who are going to become obsessed fans, you got to keep it tight. They're, they're not even a real band yet. <laughs> they're just like this. They, it's, a, it's insane to me to think, like, imagine you are, uh, you and your friends, like, play your songs at coffee shops in the middle of fucking Arkansas, and then all of a sudden a record label plucks you out of Arkansas and shoves you in L.A. and gives you everything, gives you an apartment a gym membership, a rehearsal space, and instruments. Like, that's insane to me to think about. Like, who else has that experience? Like, other than when they used to make bands, when they used to, like, the monkeys or boy bands, where they just construct them from whole cloth. This is, like, anti-evanescence. 
this dream is just becoming more reality as as the time goes up by. They should have yeah, changed Meltzer. their name to just Solid. <laughs> Everything is very tangible. So they uh, were moved to L.A. Lee was enrolled also in acting and vocal classes uh, for their debut album, Fallen, in 2003, which Nick is very familiar with, as he's as he I said. might still have it in my closet uh, somewhere. The label demanded, when they were making that album, the label demanded a full-time male vocalist, which they absolutely refused to do. It's one of the few things they told the label they would not do. The label eventually compromised by requesting a lead male vocalist for just one song, their lead single on the album, Bring Me to Life, our topic for today. You, you cut out for a second, but lead male vocalist they initially asked saying that's a requirement? Yes. They didn't just want what? because they... The sound that this band had uh, didn't really exist because you don't really know what they're like. There's some people call it like gothic metal or gothic rock. They didn't know where they fit on the spectrum of rock, metal, whatever. So, but in regardless, either way, in both of those, like in metal and rock, it wasn't, it was very rare to have a single female vocalist. You had like, it was a male vocalist or a male and female vocalist. So the record label demanded a male vocalist and they, they wouldn't have it. But they relented and said, we'll have one guy show up in the middle of our first song and that's it. Well, it's interesting <laughs> because this song was 100%. This song specifically, I, I, I learned about Evanescence from this song. This song specifically was my introduction to the fact like, wow, you could have like heavy music and like an angelic female vocalist. Uh, that concept had been existing in European metal bands for years, but it was definitely like mainstream America's first introduction to it. And I feel like for so many people, this was their gateway drug into that specific kind of music. Uh, but I, Steve, I honestly did not know that they were initially pressured to say you got to have a male vocalist. Which is why we have uh, guest vocals on this song by Paul McCoy of the rock band 12 Stones, uh, who I neglected to look up any further information on because it didn't seem pertinent to what we we're going to talk about today. So sorry, Paul. Uh, the real McCoy, Stones. more like real boring to Steve. Why looking to him? <laughs> exactly, Mike. Ben Moody, uh, this this album was in the top 10 of the Billboard 100 for 43 weeks, certified seven times platinum. Moody would actually end up leaving the band during the breakout year, 2003, in the middle of their success. And in fact, in the middle of a European tour because of creative differences. Uh, uh, regarding that, Lee said in an interview later, I don't know, I just think it's exactly what I would have expected. He's more about kind of the pop influence sort of thing, and also, you know, about being commercial and selling albums. That's the part of him we disagreed on. I wanted to do the more aesthetic, or the, the more artistic, weird thing, and he'd want to do the thing that people would want to hear, she adds. So that's a lot of the reason why it's been so fun writing now, is that we're not thinking about that. It's like, what do we like? What's fun? What do we want to do that's different? So basically, he wanted the band to be successful, and she wanted them to be weird and artsy and never get listened to ever again. Because that's actually, uh, this is a deep cut. Ben Moody went on to form a separate band called We Are the Fallen, which basically sounded exactly like Evanescence's first album. They even recruited a vocalist who looked and sounded exactly like Amy Lee. But I kind of liked that sound better. I really did not like Evanescence's follow-up albums as much as their first one. And it made me wonder, was Ben Moody actually like the songwriter that I enjoyed the most on it? But, uh... I did not know that that was the specific reason for their creative differences. Also, Ben Moody, a little on the of nose, course guys. He's, yeah, of course oh, he's going to yeah. make this kind of music. <laughs> oh, man. Yo, it's a, it's a damn shame they couldn't work out their differences because typically that kind of hybrid fusion of thought is what brings about the best things ever. You well, probably like, about the seven times platinum album, Ben Perky wasn't going to do that. No, but, nah. He just brought a good attitude to the team, but Jesus, I mean that that gets, that gets old after a while. Hey, gang, <laughs> why can't we all be brought to life? Am I right? Sorry, shut up, Perky. <laughs> the the last bit about the band is uh, there's always been some confusion about the aesthetic of the band. Uh, the band's style is usually described as either gothic rock or gothic metal, but one publication, I wrote this down, I really like, one publication referred to them as, quote, goth Christian new metal with a twist of melancholic Enya. Ooh. You know, but that's not wrong. <laughs> yeah, it's not wrong, but also, what does not melancholic Enya sound like? Is, the, is, there, is there a happier, perkier Enya that we've all been hitherto for unintroduced to? <laughs> 
But uh, that's it for the my little bit of band info. Let's get into the song. Go ahead and start from the beginning. All right. A dissection is imperative. How can you see into my eyes like open doors? feel yet are you full of emotion yet oh fuck yeah i remember this song was memorable enough that i remember the first time i heard it i was in the back seat of a friend's vehicle because we were just coming back from a boy scout trip from when i was in middle school and casey Kasem was counting down the top 40 and this song was on it and i remember being like this doesn't sound like music i'm used to hearing this is casey Kasem with the top 40 we've got a brand new single from a brand new band called i'm not even gonna try to pronounce this word it's called <laughs> bring me to life i'm 75 years old and this sounds like garbage to me Steve, how did you remember verbatim exactly what he said? Okay, old Casey. I have absolutely no room in my life for a good Casey Kasem impression. It's it's really sad. I wish more people remembered who Casey Kasem was so this impression had they, more utility. They do, Steve. They do. Come on, Casey Kasem. They're out there, man. Listeners, do you have any idea who the <laughs> fuck Casey Kasem is? Contact us. The Songtops Report at gmail.com. <laughs> Uh, but thank you, Nick, for that intro. I got to use that impression again. Thank you. <laughs> yes. How can you see into my eyes like open doors leading you down into my core where I've become so numb? Pretty self-explanatory, right, guys? Oh, it, it's steeped <laughs> in metaphor. What are you talking about? Like, is her core numb because it's chilly? Is it numb because it's emotionally dead inside? There's. Um, I'm going to say the. I'm going to say the latter because that's how I feel. Oh, Steve. Now no. I know why you picked this song. Oh, Steve. It's been resonating with you. I'm not emo anymore. Steve, let me see in, let, let me see inside those eyes. I want to do a quick B and E into your soul. Just, just see fire. Just nothing but fire and like <laughs> O Fortuna. O Fortuna oh, Steve, starts I'm playing so in the background. <laughs> uh, the so the song has several potential origins. Uh, Lee, and this might color our perception of what the lyrics mean going forward, Lee stated the main source was an encounter she had at a restaurant, quote, I was inspired to write it when someone said something to me. I didn't know him. I thought he might be clairvoyant. I was in a relationship and I was completely unhappy, but I was hiding it. I was being completely abused. I was trying to cover it up. I wouldn't even admit it to myself. So then I had spoken maybe 10 or 15 words to this guy who was a friend of a friend. We were waiting for everyone else to show up, and we went into a restaurant and got a table, and he looked at me and said, are you happy? And I felt my heart leap, and I was like, he totally knows what I'm thinking, and I lied. I said I was fine. Anyway, he's not really clairvoyant, but he is a sociology major, end quote. <laughs> okay. So she wanted to bone the sociology guy. Is that what I'm getting? Mike, no. how do you see no. like a deep, melancholy, <laughs> emotional connection to, oh, they wanted to bone? Well, well come no. on, man. Okay, Mike. She's unhappy. She's miserable. She goes inside to get some lunch. She sits down and kind of goes, are you happy? And she thinks to herself, Jesus Christ, that's, he gets me. He's in my brain. And I'm sorry, but when somebody connects to you on a brain length, deep level, how, I think, for a moment, you go, yeah, I'd do this person. For just for a second. Just just for just for a little <laughs> Hear that, ladies? Mike promises a second. <laughs> yeah. Nick, before you go and Mike uh, and Mike, Mike Mock, before you go and mock Mike over this, uh the friend of a friend uh is Josh Hartzler, who is her future husband. So Nailed it! <laughs> like she nailed him! Boom! <laughs> Well, in that case, I'm happy for all of them. But basically, she's with a guy she only barely knows, and this near-perfect stranger is able to immediately intuit she is completely miserable and unhappy. And that oh, is where this comes... That is where... How can you see into my eyes like open doors leading you down into my soul where I've become so numb? Like, this whole song is... A, the, one of the origins, anyway, is about meeting someone who's able to immediately understand what's inside of you 
and is oh. able to like attach themselves to it and connect it and bring it out to the surface, resurrect it from its cold, dead prison. Bring Resurrecting, it to life. oh my God, bringing back to life the true self of yourself, you know, the best of you that you could be. Bringing back, oh, oh, that is, oh, this is rich. This is, you know, it's funny that you can enjoy a song. I'm mine this for all the emotional depth I can. <laughs> Just sort of suck right into this thing, man. I love this. This, you know, this this is going on my playlist. The Inspired Playlist. Thanks oh, hell yeah. You, you can definitely pump iron to this chorus. <sighs> well, let's, uh, let's listen go. to a little more and get to that chorus. Fuck Ooh. yeah! So I don't know. I don't know if the guitar Ooh. tuning is drop D or it's C or whatever, but it's tuned to new metal. That was a particularly chuggy guitar tone that you would only yeah. hear from like 1999 to 2006. And then the melancholy and over drama. Oh god! If you were a, if you were an angsty middle schooler, this oh. was red meat. <laughs> oh, oh, it's, Nick, I can see. Oh, it's like you got foam coming out the mouth, man. You're feeling. Like, I mean, I was bitten by a rabbit dog earlier today, yeah. but I wouldn't let that stop me from recording this episode, but that might be why the foam is there. Unrelated. Unrelated. <laughs> unrelated. But I was still here on time, Mike, and I got bitten by a rabbit dog. No, I mean, Nick, I am... <laughs> your dedication. Your dedication <laughs> is uh, unmatchable for for certain. But no, I I can see the passion in your eyes, Nick, as you're as you're reliving those angsty teen years, and Evanescence is coming on. You're just... Headbanging in your room, just trying to get a grip Nick, on it all. Nick, it's time for dinner in a minute, Mom. <laughs> also, Mom, sorry, that's not what you sound like. <laughs> <laughs> Can't you understand, Mom? That I gotta be woken up inside. But yes, I can't uh, wake up, Mom. I can't. I think I think uh, she just further is kind of going along the same point that you were mentioning, Steve. Uh, my, my spirit's sleeping somewhere cold until you find it there and lead it back home. And then, of course, we're watching the music video, which I'm, I'm, amazed, at, I'm amazed and impressed, Steve, that you didn't mention that the music video uh, was intrinsically tied to Daredevil. This song was heavily promoted along with that movie. Um, and so the music video has some weird pauses that kind of tie into that. So, I'll just go ahead and I'll just go ahead and gently move up my list of facts to exclude that one I was about to say. Oh my goodness! So I'm that so sorry, I will Steve. then <laughs> cut that short. So can we look at this here? Without a soul, my spirit's sleeping somewhere cold until you find it there and lead it back home. So she's saying she's without a soul because her spirit is out somewhere in Alaska. Yes, specifically. Uh, or like maybe Saranac Lake. Actually, it's negative 42 out in some place in the Midwest, I saw, or maybe further in the Midwest. But Probably Texas. <laughs> it's very cold there. Have you ever uh, Have you ever had somebody find your spirit for you and, and, and bring it back home? Uh yeah, like, I, I left I left some tequila at my girlfriend's place, and then she brought the spirits back to my place. I was like, "Thank you so much! I can finally make myself another tequila sunrise." Oh good, good. It's I could tell it was somewhere cold. I'm glad you you know I like it. I like it nice and cold. I left my ticket. Uh, I left my ticket for Spirit Airlines in the bus station, and some helpful stranger brought it to me before I had to get on the flight. But no, Mike, I'll stop being a jerk. <laughs> in the sense that I think Amy Lee is uh, speaking to. I don't think so. I don't know if my spirit has ever been left someplace. And actually, Apple has a new feature, Find My Spirit, where if your phone's nearby, you can ping it, and then it will show you on maps where it's located. It's really helpful. I'm going to ignore that. As Nick stated before, <laughs> so the label tried to push this single to radio stations. Station owners refused to play, quote, pianos and chicks on rock radio. Uh, it was only after this song and My Immortal was included on the Daredevil soundtrack where it became massively popular did people actually call in to demand the song be heard. I never And in fact the uh, sorry, uh, I was just saying in the yeah. fact the, the string arrangements and orchestral conduction for the song was done by Graham Ravel, who is the composer of the Daredevil score. Ooh, did not know that either. But I would say, yeah, I like I guess I didn't necessarily see the song as 
groundbreaking specifically, but in hindsight, yes, at least in popular mainstream radio, you did not hear this kind of song until the so- until the song "Bring Me to Life" came out specifically. Um, and since then, people have discovered a lot of other bands like. Nightwish and Within Temptation that were doing a similar thing, but even years before this band came out. But uh, yeah, bring me to life. I love me some Nightwish. Oh, hell yeah. I think I introduced you to them, Steve. Yes, you did. Yes. Bombastic, female-fronted, symphonic metal. Mm. But let's get to that sweet, sweet chorus. good that's so good if, it? <sighs> if i'm being honest as much as a so- as much as a song played an important part in my angsty teenage middle school years i will say the chorus kind of twisted the song from maybe something that could be legitimately good to being kind of a guilty pleasure because of course of course now that you told me steve that they demanded essentially this being a, a duet or having some generic angsty rock guy vocalist it makes it seem more just like i don't know it's it's very easy to parody this song just wake me up <laughs> just having some angry guy barking the other half of the chorus what what it no, makes it way get, more of a it, product of the time this all right and i understand that you know there's no one saying a female vocalist can't hold a song on her own certainly not the back and forth between them is is what makes the song iconic. Like that's what you remember. It's like well, yeah, yes. Yeah. See, that's the double edged sword. It's memorable for that because it's it's a perfect karaoke yeah. song. I've done so many. I've done so many gender swapped versions of this. I think the last time I did karaoke, um, I did, I performed karaoke with a woman, but I sang Amy Lee's part and she sang Paul McCoy's part. It's a fun song in that regard but but also like look they're like they're like yelling and it's not like at each other but it's together like these these but they're, they're yelling with each other oh it's almost like they're they're two different people going through the exact same thing uh the the course of the song poses a different problem other than the ones that you guys just raised in that the sort of the the uh wake me up wake me up inside uh Save me, call my name, and save me from the dark. These these lyrics lent themselves to a cohort of people latching onto this song that the song wasn't necessarily written for. And those would be our good friend, the Christians. Uh, which I am one, so I can't exactly call them a different group <laughs> yeah, of people. Come on, so man, it's not it ain't, it ain't so bad. It doesn't have to be bad. But, it doesn't have to be bad it's not bad it's not bad but uh, i only say that in the sense that uh this song in addition to all the other charts it was on uh also charted very highly on christian rock charts as well because a lot of christians interpreted the lyrics as a call to return to christ so like you know like christ uh at lazarus's tomb bidding him to wake up and walk out to resurrect him and then resurrecting himself years later and then like being born again in him all of these they picked up on all these sort of lyrical little bugaboos here to sort of say oh yeah that's that could be what this song is about that's that you know this song is reaching me on that level which there's nothing wrong with that whatsoever but it's not exactly what they had in mind uh despite that and some of the connotations the band never considered itself christian rock in fact when they learned the band was being promoted in christian stores amy lee and the label both requested that they stop lee opposed the christian rock label and considered any aspect of their music that touched on it to be due to ben moody's influence who introduced those elements to his music okay that what this uh chorus here resonates within myself right you hear, wake me up, wake me up inside. I can't wake up. Save me. Call my name. Because your Save phone me from was the off. Dark. That's all. Let's not talk about not waking up when the phone rings. Uh, wake me up. Bid my blood to run. I can't wake up before I come undone. Save me. Save me from the nothing that I've become. Now, this sounds like to me is when 
we lose ourselves and we feel this inkling, something that triggers within us to go back and re remerge uh, that part of ourselves that we were happy with, that we liked, the core values we had held that may have been lost at one point, which doesn't have to be religious. However, these religion for a lot of people does give them a sort of structure on what what what's right, what's wrong, or what kind of living can provide you a certain set of like stability, right? Um, so for you know, any, everyone who's waking up inside is going to do it a little differently, and maybe for some people, maybe for some Christian folk who had who had lost touch with the their community, and let's say their community was 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 big into the to, to the religion and the and the values and the traditions. And you're like, and you get back into that. Well, you know, that's that's their way of of waking back up. And I, as long as they don't use it to oppress other people and use it to further themselves and bring about positive change within them and the community around them, I think that's I think that's a nice thing. I can't imagine in my head bullying someone to this song. <laughs> like when you say oppress, like I can't imagine someone's like shoving another kid and being like, "Wake me up." Wake me up inside. <laughs> well, Come on, I can't wake up. Just well, shoving it. Now, in. unless the person who woke up was like, man, I really was happy when I was just beating the hell out of little weaklings. And then I, I, whatever happened to that? <laughs> I need to get I need to get whatever back happened there. To that I, need guy. To, I need to get oh god, I gotta get back to feeling uh big, powerful, in charge and in control. All right. You know what, Evanescence, you're right. It's time to go back. The bullying anthem of the century. Bring bullies back. Uh. The point may have been lost, but uh, I, I do remember there was one song on this album called Tourniquet, which I had done a deeper dive and found out it was Evanescence covering a song by a no-name Christian death metal band who... Uh, had very explicitly religious lyrics that the song that Evanescence did also had religious lyrics. Like, they mentioned the word Christ is in it. And so I feel like, not that they're being a little hypocritical, but it's weird to say in an album, we have one song about finding salvation, and you mentioned the word Christ, but then I'll sing, but we're not a Christian band. Because, yes, I would say this song is ambiguous, but the album itself had definitely some religious religiosity and Christianity to it. And I love how Amy's like, oh, if, if there was any of that, that was Ben. Yeah, and she is she is a Christian. Yes. Like she, she has, she has she, done... She got Christian shame, Steve. Christian shame. Yeah, where she explicitly by said the, it. The, but I... No. L.A. Living. List, Mike, by the radical left trying to destroy Christianity <laughs> in this country. That's... Tucker, Tucker, <laughs> calm down. Uh, I think you can acknowledge... I think that you can acknowledge, you can say, just because there is one aspect of me doesn't mean that has to be what my music is about. Like, sure, you can be a Christian and say, but I don't want to make quote-unquote Christian music. I think that's totally fine. What's with the, can you tell me about a little bit more about this Christian death metal band? Like, uh, how do you? That's a different episode, Mike. We have oh, we have stuff right, to do. Fine, you know, no, I'm making a request. I want to hear someone growl about Jesus. I really do. I oh can't no, Christian metalcore is a massive <laughs> subgenre. It's not it's not an outlier, but that's that's an episode for another time. <laughs> Listeners, do you want to hear that? Christian death metal. It doesn't make sense to me. It should be like Christian resurrect metal, Christian yes. eternal life metal. <laughs> oh, let's start a new genre about. That's not death. Oh, but, we're not yeah. at all equipped to do that, that particular genre. <laughs> uh, but let's go to verse two, because I've got a bunch of uh, fun stuff that to touch on that you guys have already brought up uh, at the end of the episode here. Now that I know what I'm without, you can't just leave me. Breathe into me and make me real. Bring me to life. So now that you've, now that you know what's wrong with me, you can't not marry me, guy in the song, Josh Hartzler. Right, that's his name. Yes. Got it. 
But outside of that, what if like you you had like a pretty good connection with like a waiter or waitress, let's say, and you felt like that maybe they saw inside you a little bit, and then all of a sudden you're like, well, no, you can't go, you can't leave this table. I need you. <laughs> like, like the waiter comes over and asks, "Would you like some more bread?" And she just look up at him like, "How did you know? Get out of my brain." <laughs> You know what I need to fill me. Do you take sociology <laughs> courses? Don't you dare leave! Well, listen, when a waiter refills oh. your water when it's empty, by their definition, they know what you're without. Just falling in love with every member of the service industry, one at a time. You know what? They could use a little love, okay? Guys, if you're not tipping at least 20% in this pandemic, then go fuck yourself. <laughs> yeah. I like it, Nick! Everyone start bringing out that good tip money. Let's see it. <laughs> Yo. Uh, this, uh, this lyric here, this lyric here is interesting because I, I have, oh boy. So in, in some, some regards, you would say perhaps this Amy, perhaps Amy Lee's character in this uh, song is having a codependency issue. But ah, it sucks, right? Like she found someone who woke her up inside and, Breathed this new sense of life into her, and that she's just like, "Yo, where, where are you going?" Is that what she's saying? Yes, almost exactly. <laughs> <laughs> is that codependent, or is it acknowledging a good thing? I would argue. I would argue, Mike. Uh, it's codependent, but in the context of a melodramatic gothic rock song for teenagers, it's it's it it it's perfect. It's exactly the kind of. <laughs> <laughs> longing that you want in your angst. This song set the template for all that. Mike, for the last time, I can't tell you what the line is between codependent and soulmate, all right? Right? You it's have to real. figure it out for yourself. Ooh, it's a real you have close to figure one. it out for yourself. <laughs> when you figure out what that line is, you tell me. Um, but then... So if we want to skip yeah, the co- ahead... We, we have the same chorus... So, okay. So, where was this? What was that? Uh, Frozen Inside. Where was this? What was that? <laughs> Private Investigator, Mike Russell. <laughs> <laughs> I, would t- I would kill to see that show. <laughs> Who was it? Where were we? There's been where a was murder. this at? There's been a murder, but Private Eye Mike Russell's not answering his phone. Where is it? Who, who <laughs> happened? What? All of a sudden, I found my kitchen table split in half. I don't know what to tell you. I don't know. <laughs> It's a private eye only solves the mysteries of his own life. My favorite part of this song is that um, that riff build up in the bridge. The yeah. da na na na. Like oh, yeah. that's 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 all I come to this song for at, at this point. This this bit right here. This bit I, I, I'm reading. I mean, this is powerful stuff, guys. Oh like, yeah. Bring me to life. I've been living a lie. There's nothing inside. Bring me to life, frozen inside, without your touch, without your love, darling. Only you are the life among the dead. Now, ma'am, I, I, you, I brought you your order. I don't know what else to do for you. Do you want dessert? I could bring you the dessert menu. <laughs> Did you hear this? He dessert, dessert. He knows I have a sweet tooth. It's coming. <laughs> That's you the can't life just I leave needed. Me. Nobody, nobody gets dessert anymore. Every time I now just bring the check, but this man he knows. Uh no, but serious, but in all seriousness, I love this because this happens to too many people. Right? They fall out of windows. Oh, you're not talking about the video, sorry. Look, all right, that's one thing I can relate to with Amy Lee on this, I suppose. But no, Nick, not about the window, for Christ's sake. It's a it's about. People get so sucked into, like, trying to to fit in with the world around them or the people around them, and they start to lose themselves and become this version of themselves that doesn't mean anything because they're not being true and they're not being real, and it's out of 
a fear of judgment or falling into mediocrity routines or just, you know, the people that they happen to be hanging out with are not doing the things that they themselves wish they were doing. But instead of being alone, they they fall into these these groups. So for her to have found somebody who has reached inside and reinvigorated the true essence, the evanescence. Uh, Ooh, the, yeah, there it is. Are you seeing this? That's this, not this, what the, that word means. That's oh, not what the but, word means. But Steve, Steve. You, you defined it at the top. It means the essence of Evan. The essence. So when Evan, uh, so if you want to use Evan as an example, he's losing himself. Evan's, Evan's essence is evanescencing, okay? So Evan, he finds somebody who brings back his essence, and he's like, yeah. Oh, unique, u- unique New York. Unique <laughs> New York. So, Yellow baby buggy bumpers. Yellow baby buggy bumpers. So as Evan's Evan re- essence was evanescencing. <laughs> Evan's essence was evanescencing until someone came by and said, Evan, I got your essence right here. And he goes, holy shit, I've been looking for this. I suddenly feel alive. I feel right. Brought to life? Brought to life he is, guys. This is beautiful. Guys, I think this is the first song we've covered that doesn't have any holes. Everything, everything adds up. Yep. Anyway, keep going. Oh, boy. Yes. This. <laughs> Let's my, listen to what Evan has to say. My, yes. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the vocalist may be Paul McCoy, but we're going to call him Evan. And, Mike, <laughs> yeah. this is the part where I feel like the song becomes, let's say, more fun. So that's Evan's contribution to the song. Yeah. This song was very powerful until this very moment. I'm trying to think of like a movie equivalent where like something happens that just totally takes you out of what whatever was in it. Um, but just the- a, a random character shows up three quarters into the movie and is immediately important for no apparent reason and is a horrible character, terribly constructed. It's the Jar Jar Binks. He's the Jar Jar Binks of Bring Me to Life. <laughs> You know, as a kid, that is heartless. As a kid, Jar Jar Binks was my favorite character in Star Wars. And it wasn't <laughs> it wasn't until the until I woke up inside and uh, <laughs> ev- everyone told me that Jar Jar Binks was a piece of shit and was racist or not racist but was like all these horrible a racial things. stereotype. Yeah. A racial st- a race yeah, a stereotype. And Holy crap, man. Like one of three in the it, movie. Everyone ruined that character for me. Here I was as a kid. I, I would have <laughs> I would have been Jar Jar Binks for Halloween. I loved playing when I was like Skyrim or not Skyrim, but um, Morrowind back in the day. Mm-hmm. I was uh, the lizard people. What are they called? Um Oh shit. Argonians. I, I yes. was an Argonian. Uh so yeah, man, I, I resonate, and then I, I liked being goofy and silly, and I was like, look at Jar Jar Binks just having a good time. This is hilarious. The the wacky dude's going to win, and then he did, and then second movie, they cut him out of it, and I was like, this is bullshit. As an adult, I go back and rewatch it, and I'm like, okay, maybe I was just an annoying kid, because Jar Jar Binks is really... <laughs> no, that was the death of your childhood innocence. We all have some moment like that where that happened. Um, but <laughs> speaking of Jar Jar Binks, Paul McCoy slash Evan, uh, yeah, this is the point where I, I feel like Steve, to your point, like this really reeked of studio meddling and saying, no, this is what we need for the song to be a hit. But I don't know. More like, wait, more like studio new meddling. <laughs> Bravo. Oh, this time I, I can't believe I couldn't see. No, wait, hang on. So, sorry. Let, let me see if I can pull this up. Steve, you just reminded me. The um, the last New Year's that we were uh, all able to not be in a pandemic, um, I was at a New Year's party where we started kind of doing makeshift karaoke. And, of course, someone was recording. And there there is a a, perf- a video of me when I'm 100% sober uh, doing the section. And I think this speaks to, like, the fun part of it. Oh, <laughs> 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 and I mean, it, it, 
continues. Nick, but you, you got him. You're telling me you're posting that this week on social media. I mean, that is it's a it's a very fun part. I mean, I, ooh, this is almost the, the this is the dilemma of the song. Do you sacrifice any legitimate emotional integrity it might have for the purposes of making it more memorable, even if making it more memorable kind of also makes it a little goofier? I don't know. I don't know where that line is. The the words, like the lyric, is kind of nice. You know, it's it's just like how they're waking each other up, right? But uh, him singing it is a little ridiculous. It's... Does it not match up with the the screaming he's been doing? Like it's just like all of a sudden he has more than four words in a sentence, and it's it's too much. <laughs> it's too much. He should be uh, a four so, lyric guy, and then he's done. Four, four lyric, cut it off in four, man. Oh, we made a mistake. Uh, but Steve, what were you saying? But it's a mistake that was corrected in I want to say 2016. Uh, Amy Lee, now lead singer, lead songwriter of Evanescence, uh, their album Synthesis, she finally released the version of Bring Me to Life that she had in her head and in her heart, uh, where there is no studio new meddling. There is no weird Evan showing up in the middle to growl for no reason, over her soulful lyrics. Uh, and it also allowed her to reorchestrate it the way she wanted to and leave the new metal behind and in place use a more symphonic sort of techno sound to bring it to life, <laughs> as we'll hear See here. she did there. Without a soul My spirit's Nick. All right. All right. Steve, I will admit, look, this, this woman's powerful. She's got a powerful voice and she could have carried this on herself. Sure. And maybe it's just because the original has been ingrained in my mind so hard, but, but I hate this, Steve. I hate it. I, hate, I, I miss, I need Evan. I need Evan in the, I need Evan's essence. It really brought, it just brought a little, it brought a little life to it, you know? Because it's, because that's the thing. That's the thing, Steve. When she's alone singing this, she's still dead. She's still <gasps> yes, dead inside. Yes, you need, you need your partner to bring you back to life, basically. She, she without... needs that other guy, because you know what? They're bringing each other to life. Wait, so Mike, you're saying Evan's essence is essential to Evan's essence. That's what I'm saying, Nick. Don't you shake your head, Steve? It's you're both incredibly wrong. This is a this is a much better version of the song. No, it's far more cinematic no, it's and not. breathtaking. It's it different. feels like it it's belongs to the Lord now, of the Rings. Though. This melancholy has no hope. The other go, one wait, with the Nick, guy go screaming, go. they were mad. They were angry. They're trying to they're trying to break. They're trying to stay alive. Nick, go go no go back to the the one we were just on. Go to minute two twenty two. sound is much especially in that that bit right there her bit sounds so much better for sure her pipes should have gotten that that kind of chance to shine in the original however 
You still need the filler. This it this, didn't seem like we did. I don't know, Mike. Steve. I gotta say, I, I I kind of agree with Mike in the sense that yes, you kind of want her vocals to have more space to breathe, but also in my head, I was still like, without a dog, without a fuck, uh, without a soul, I can't not hear it. Okay. All right. All right. Now, what if instead there were children? <laughs> Oh, Steve, could that possibly have something to do with this link you asked me to have pulled up? <laughs> oh. What if it was children singing it? Let's see. Kids Bop fucked up. <laughs> that was Kids Bop number four. Wow. Is that someone's dad? They just. Yeah. yeah, I was gonna say, what if you have one very obvious adult in a room full of a children's choir? <laughs> Wait, Steve, can, can I jump to the part? I, I don't, I haven't heard the Kids Bop version. Can I get to the part where uh, Evan comes in? Where, where Evan shows up? Sure. I didn't, I didn't mark that, but if you can find it. Oh my god, that is wonderful. This is way this is way better than synthesis, Steve. This is way better than just Amy Lee by herself. It sounds like the mic next to him was on that he was rapping into. You know, like he just sounds he he don't got the pipes, man. How do you make it on the Kids Bop album? (laughs) When you don't have the pipes to make it on Kids Bop. You've got to consider a different career. You know what he sounds like? Wait, wait, did he just give up? Wait, hang on. Yeah, he gave up. Wait. Rough. And then he's just done. And then he walks away. There must be something more the line. Not rough. Oh, I dropped her. That's rough. Oh, she she's not gonna make it. That's rough. No. Oh man, my career as a singer's dead. This is rough. Like <laughs> he sounds like audio quality wise, he sounds like an NPC from a nineties PC game. Like if you're playing Jedi Academy or something on your PC in nineteen ninety-five, that sounds like a guy in the space station with you who's just talking to a character you never see. That's what he sounds like to me. I, I can see it. I can see it, Steve. It's, it's, there's nothing. He's dead There's inside. nothing inside. <laughs> there's nothing there. No. What? Okay, all right. So, so we, so we had children. I mean, not to throw so much shit. Listen, listen, if you're a listener to the, to the podcast, Mr. What's this fuck kids about for, man? I am sorry, but you, <laughs> I hope things have changed since then. Mike, 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 the, uh, the person who runs the children during a shift is the kids about foreman. <laughs> Is that right? Yes, yes. Okay, guys, time to take your union break. <laughs> okay, so kids, kids, we, kids didn't do it for you. Um, uh, Amy by herself didn't do it for you. So, uh, for the last little bit, I want to talk about tonight. There is, and this is actually going to bleed into another episode idea that I want us to explore next month. There, th- I, I came across this while I was researching this song. I didn't know this existed. What I'm sure didn't help wash away the song's Christian overtones is that Bring Me to Life was selected as one of several secular pop songs to be used in The Passion, New Orleans. Now, a passion play, for people who might not be aware, as a Christian, I am aware, a passion play is a very old dramatic technique whereby a town will put on the last few days in the life of Christ as a dramatic piece in the whole the whole town takes part in it like right down to the stations of the cross someone dragging across through the middle of town and oh, yeah it's and there's a the passion is actually the passion new orleans was an american adaptation of a dutch musical television special 
in which the events surrounding the passion and crucifixion of Jesus are acted out live in the streets of a chosen city. A Jesus jukebox musical, if you will. <laughs> a mix of live and pre-recorded events Wait, Steve, and segments. Steve, otherwise known as a king of the jukebox musical. Yes. Oh, Nick. <laughs> I, I like the alliteration of mine, but yes. Sorry, you were saying. Congratulations, Nick. You outdid me again. One more time. Another notch in your column. Uh, a mix of live and pre-recorded segments, The Passion was filmed and performed in New Orleans in the spring of 2016. Hosted and narrated by Tyler Perry and starring performers... Jake... As, as Medea? No. Oh, no. man. Uh he, he actually was very excited to be part of this because he, he considered it a vacation to not have to do something that he wrote so, <laughs> or produced. Um, Jen Carlos Canela, Prince, uh, Prince Royce, Trisha Yearwood, Chris Daughtry, and Seal. It included songs from Celine Dion, Whitney Houston, Creed, who I neglected, neglected to mention up top, was also part of the same level, label as Evanescence, that which makes didn't help with the Christian oh, overtones. I can see that. Um, Hoobastank, and the world's greatest rock band, Imagine Dragons. Ooh. Imagine so Dragons? Basic, basically, <laughs> in 2016, on Fox, obviously, uh, oh. there was a live and pre-recorded mix of small little plays put on around the streets of New Orleans, narrated by Tyler Perry, depicting the crucifixion, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And one of the songs... Bring Me to Life would be performed by Chris Daughtry, singer of American Idol fame and lead singer of the band Daughtry. And let's have a little taste of it right now. So Jesus stunned his disciples when he revealed that one of them would soon betray him. Well, we all know who that is. Judas plans to lead authorities to Jesus. They want to charge Jesus with blasphemy and for inciting civil unrest. Judas sells out his friend and his mentor for just a few thousand dollars. But before he does that, Judas must confront the turmoil in his own soul. of this we can play without a pause there <laughs> <laughs> oh no we, we're not going to play anymore because uh, here's the thing i would very much like for us at towards the end of april for easter to cover this film not necessarily the film but the songs covered within it with the new context applied that these people are biblical figures singing these songs who that that's has the whole layers. musical you, you that's wanna... the whole musical this is this is daughtry as judas iscariot singing bring me to life which adds a whole new layer of context to the song bring me to life and there's a whole musical of of song covers with this layer of context and i would like us to maybe cover it for easter at the end of april that that sounds amazing i th i fit th oh sorry go ahead just the fact that they're taking these songs and having these biblical characters saying them. And I'm looking at Judas in a leather jacket right now. And it's incredible. Judas <laughs> always wears a leather jacket. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's edgy and cool. I think, I think like, 
Christian appropriated music with churning industrial beats underneath it is like a it could be like a cool hey kids it's the story of Jesus but like it's cool <laughs> at some point Seal sings Mad World by Tears for oh, Fears boy. as Punch's pilot wow. oh what a cop out by Pontius yeah Jesus I, Jesus is dying it's a mad world am I right a mad <laughs> world yeah that sure sucks anyway but uh, I wanted to it was a perfect segue because I didn't know this existed until I had to research Bring Me to Life, and I figure it would be a good intro to possibly doing that if there was any interest in it. But uh, that is it for in for very specifically this song, Bring Me to Life, uh, on today's episode of the Song Topsy Report. Steve, uh Great job on the research. I was going to say crack job, but I know sometimes I can accidentally be misheard as crap job. <laughs> yeah, yeah, whatever. Uh, I, I guess you you kind of helped me realize that in one very specific uh, niche, this is... This song sucks, Nick. <laughs> I thought we retired the crapometer. Uh, this song is the most popular version. Oh, I'm bringing it back to life. Don't oh, worry. God. Oh, this really? is, a, a resurrection is imminent. This is the most popular song of a very specific niche, but like it is truly the go-to. Like it, The very specific new metal angsty, gothic-tinged rock duet that you could also like swirl some Christianity into. This is that. This is the song for that. I'm just... And my immortal. Yes. I... <laughs> I always liked this song, and now, after just projecting life on it a little bit, I, I like it that much more. Especially the version where there's no new metal. No! Where it's no, just you need, her you singing. No, you need that, Steve. You need them. You need some new... Sometimes sometimes you don't know what you need, and then you're like, I needed this. <laughs> but thank you so much again for the research, Steve, and thank you listeners for tuning in to our dissection of a song that was a... <laughs> <laughs> Played a large role in my childhood. That was certainly on repeat a lot on my CD player. Um, but you can follow us on social media, and you should, because it sounds like we're going to be posting the, the the remains of Mike's kitchen table, as well as my uh, impromptu performance of this song uh, during a New Year's party. So follow us there to see all that footage. Um, and you can also follow me on my personal social media, at Nick Brigadier on Twitter and Instagram, and Mike. Where can we find you, and what were the poll results that we did for uh, the Cheeky Girls last week? Yes, for the Cheeky Girls. So, you know, if you listen to the episode, I was asking, you know, what would we wear if we uh, made a music video? And then I just thought, wouldn't it be funny just seeing Steve in in an outfit like that? So... (laughs) So, you all responded. Please note, I do not give in to peer pressure. We had... We had a lot of votes. We We had a good chunk of votes, right? And it was a ooh, it was a tough. So the question was on the poll: Which style do you want to see, Stephen? And it was a cheeky boy or a cheeky girl. And the results in Steve: forty four percent said cheeky boy, fifty six percent say cheeky girl. So when I reach out to the cheeky girls and they want to make a music video with us, you're gonna you're gonna be on their side. All right. Well, you got to pay for the dance belt and wig. Oh. Deal. <laughs> oh, yeah, Steve, uh, that's not going to deter Mike in any way, shape, or form. He spent money on far stupider things. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I really have. Uh, so, uh, for, for well, anyway, you can see my stuff at MrMikeRussell.com. Uh, that's MrMR.dot on the Instagram. Uh, please send your song suggestions and stuff. And for this poll, for the poll this week... You know what? I'm I'm gonna I wanna get I wanna get I wanna look into your eyes like open doors. I wanna I wanna break on in there and come out with something special about yourselves. Why don't you tell me what is something that woke you up inside? Is it something deep and meaningful like your life partner? Is it is it sometimes maybe just a nice cup of coffee in the morning? Or uh, you know, was it um was it uh, gravity being sung by what's her face and wicked? What was oh, that define, gr- define gravity. Uh, Adina Menzel. Oh God! Didn't that one oh, just made you feel like you could do anything? I mean, define so gravity. So let us know. <laughs> what's what's woken you up inside? 
Perhaps a microwaved hot pocket. Perhaps an alarm clock. No, I find that I need to use my alarm clock, Nick, because I I often rely on my phone, which has bagged me several times throughout life. And... uh, so perhaps the the alarm clock is this this new change of life I need. <laughs> um, and Steve, where can we find you? you? Can find me on Twitter and Instagram uh, as your man Trollo. Uh, on my personal website, stephentrollinger.com, the Dapper Devil Productions website, where you can view all of us in various states of undress, <laughs> and um, and of course, uh, check out the. Once again, I don't know how long I'll beat this drum for, but check out the Nathan's Hot Dog YouTube page to uh, find me pretending to eat a lot of hot dogs. Yes, uh, I believe 63 hot dogs is how many you're able to fit in your mouth. Yes, by the way, Nick, I've been meaning to thank you all week for the numerous (laughs) social media posts that you use those pictures for without my permission. You're welcome. (laughs) Steve, I, I, I'm basically being a free agent for you. I don't know what your what what snarkiness you could possibly have. You're welcome. You need a guy who can eat hot dogs. I know a guy who can eat hot dogs. Okay, Mr. Steve Challenger. Nathan's he's your man. He's your guy. Steve, be grateful I didn't Photoshop anything into that photo. Oh, I had a friend of a friend do that already. <laughs> I'm, I'm not going to share that on my. On my uh, Instagram, of course. It's called but How it's out Steve there. Got His Big Break. <laughs> Nick, you are the best hot dog hype man. I'll tell you what. I've never I've never felt so excited for someone to eat hot dogs than when you talk about Steve. And I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, Nathan's hasn't given me any royalties. I don't know who I need to reach out to for that. But uh, through Steve, I think we've directed a lot of uh, a lot of shoppers to choose Nathan's over that ballpark bullcrap. Ballpark bullcrap. That's right. Shots fired. Wow. Ballpark, ballpark Nick, hot dogs. Nick, they better start sponsoring the podcast with some lines like that. Let's go. Oh yeah, I'll, I'll rip anyone apart for a sponsorship. Uh, and with that inspiring note, thank you so much for joining us this week. I am Nick Breedier. I'm Mike Russell. And I'm frozen inside without your touch. Oh, we'll work on that, Steve. Oh, hey. <laughs> let's get let's get rid of the social distance, Steve. We'll, We'll wake you up. <laughs> Big wink. And we will see you. Oh, God. That's a, that's a gropey hand. And uh, we will see you next week. Take care. <laughs>